Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Team Human special report sliding into your podcast stream with news from the front lines of our intervention in the machine. I'm Douglas Rushkoff reporting on the exploits of Team Human hero and role model Andy Bicklebaum. I was watching my favorite news channel, Newsmax, the other night, and the aptly named wonderful show America Right Now, which I like because it sort of says right now and Let's get it right. Like, let's move America to the right now before it falls over the left. And I was delighted to see, especially in my new incarnation as a right winger, I was delighted to see they managed to get an interview with my personal favorite former defense secretary, fellow neocon hawk Paul Wolfowitz. And then, much to my surprise, Wolfowitz was on there basically admitting that the entire Afghan war had been this huge mistake, that we wasted trillions of dollars on a misguided and unwinnable war. So take a listen to Paul Wolfowitz speaking truth like he's on the friggin' Reverend Billy show. Welcome back to America Right Now. It has been a week since Afghanistan fell to the Taliban and still tens of thousands of Americans and Afghanis are still trapped in the country facing an uncertain future. To get his views on how we got here and how we move forward, former Deputy Secretary of Defense under President George W. Bush, someone who is an architect of our national response after 9-11, Paul Wolfowitz. He joins us on the phone. Mr. Secretary, good to have you with us. Great to have you. Thank you. So we are nearing the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You were there at the beginning. Did you believe that the the mission in some form should have continued? Oh, absolutely, Tom. That goes without saying. I, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how President Biden ended this war in Afghanistan and on what we have to do now. 
But there's very little about the fact that Biden did end this war. What the piece in the Wall Street Journal is truly about is that a sitting president in the office of president unnecessarily ended a war for no reason at all. Because let's be honest, Tom, there just aren't a lot of things that ordinary Americans can be proud of these days. We know that other prosperous countries have it better in healthcare, infrastructure, education, elder care, food options, and income. And if you take away our global dominance, we're left with a whole lot of nothing. But with nothing to show Americans why Americans great, dominance in a place like Afghanistan is all we've got to keep us away from that ledge. Of course, $2 trillion could have been spent building stuff that people want instead of going to big defense contractors and shareholders. But that's all milk under the table, Tom. And the point is, ending a war with nothing at all to replace it is the pinnacle of irresponsibility when you've got crumbling infrastructure, rising addiction and death rates, poor food options, substandard education, expensive health care and so on americans just can't be proud of that but they can be proud of a war even if it's unwinnable even if it lasts 20 years even if it's been a failure from day one in my administration that's what we've lost and that is truly tragic tom but no that was not Paul Wolfowitz flummoxing the Newsmax anchor, but team human friend, mentor, and co-conspirator in constructive mind fuckery, Andy Picklebaum. Hi. How did that happen? How did that happen? Funny you should ask. I love when I find out that the guy from, well, I actually hate it, but I love it too, that like the guy from DuPont admitting that they're now going to give a billion dollars to the people that got exploded in Bhopal turns out to be Andy Bicklebaum and the Yes Men bringing down the DuPont stock by like 9.3% in six minutes um, by, by making DuPont actually look like a non-evil company or less evil company for a moment but this was great this was it was it was this was a great one so thank you for interrupting my neocon moment and bringing me back to sense how did this one happen how did you think to get onto newsmax as paul wolfowitz and use the occasion of our withdrawal from afghanistan to refocus america on its many other problems well doug we yes men have many ways and (laughs) you can read all about them on our website we have a book of tricks that explains how we do these things um this one involved some special magic there is such a thing as a trade secret even in our profession yours and mine right no 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 you should use your trade but i guess what i'm wondering is if without giving away the trade secret was this something that you thought we should do this thing or like so many so many of the things was this something that arose through one of the many beautiful nets you have set up and then you rose to the occasion to figure out how to exploit the event somehow we ended up on the newsmax list of contacts for the american enterprise institute at right. which mr wolfowitz is a fellow and they wanted to book him for you know this uh America Now Today? What is it called? Um, America Right Now. Uh, America Right Now. ARN, as we call it in the industry. Uh, with Tom Basile, who is this super right-wing asshole uh, Cretan 
presenter, and he wanted Wolfowitz to discuss Biden's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan and how bad it was. I guess uh, he wanted to talk to Wolfowitz because Wolfowitz was actually the ma- one of the main architects of the invasion, uh, or of the framework for the invasion way back when, the, the project for a uh, new American century, which barely remember, but we can Google it. This was all a 9-11 response, I guess, under George W. Yeah, the invasion, I think, began in early October of 2011. In other words, like less than a month after September 11th. Or 2001. Sorry, 2001. I know. It was 20 years ago, not 10, believe it or not. Yeah. I know. We were children. And it was um, 2001, and even though none of the hijackers were, of course, from Afghanistan or Iraq, invasion happened of Afghanistan and Iraq. So they wrote... Basile's producers wrote to the American Enterprise Institute looking for Paul Wolfowitz, and um, I promised them a Zoom interview with Mr. Wolfowitz, and I had this plan. Um, When Wolfowitz, uh, when the time approached, I would log on, me, uh, wearing these glasses, because everybody on that show has insane glasses. So I would look like this, and they also have lots of teeth. So I, you know, I have shirt. I, I can send you a picture. It's quite beautiful. I had a plant behind me rather than a uh, kitchen. And I would log on and say, sorry, Ambassador Wolfowitz is stuck in a hotel in Tahiti. His Wi-Fi isn't very good. Oops. Right. You're Kirch Limofoffer from... <laughs> exactly. Kirch Limofoffer is going to talk to you. And and so here I am. And they said, uh, no. They said, no, we really want Paul Wolfowitz and we're going to wait. So just tell him to get his Wi-Fi together. I said I was on the line with him. They waited. They waited. It was like, you know, 15 minutes. They put a congressman of some sort before. And finally, they said, um, since you're on the phone with him, can we just patch him through? And I said, oh, uh, right. And I did, you know, I, I said, yeah, sure. Um, and that became thus the first time that the yes men have ever impersonated a real person. Like we've always impersonated oh, fake right. people. We've always created fake people. I mean, to impersonate a company or a government agency, but we've never before impersonated an actual living right. human being. And he is living. So right, that makes sense. Right. Your DuPont person was a manufactured dude with a title that maybe some person had at at DuPont, but maybe not. You make up the titles too. Yeah, yeah. It was Jude Finisterra, which meant patron saint of the impossible and end of the world. Never going to happen. And the person with the candles, again, was a fake with the Reggie Reggie Watts human remains candles. That's right. Reggie Watts was a real person, but not the person, you know, passing out the candles. Right. So anyways, there I am as Wolfowitz, accidentally. I have no idea what he sounds like. And, you know, because I haven't expected to have to impersonate him. And anyways, I wouldn't even be able to do it because I'm actually a terrible actor. I can do this when, you know, my interlocutor believes I am a certain thing, but I can't just put on an accent or anything. You seem to do your, actually, in terms of your acting, you seem to do your very best acting when the person you're talking to is beginning to suspect that you're not who you say you are. Then it's sort of like the acting like you do for a cop of like, there's no pot in the back of the car. (laughs) It kicks in. This other self-defense mechanism seems to kick in with you. You know, you might... 
I'll have to think about that. That might be right. I do feel this like, ooh, I better get extra conservative or something. Right. There's no Jews in the attic. There's no, no Jews no, in the attic. there's none. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Dark. So the, the beauty of this, so it seems like, so you, you had a strategy. The strategy was to get into it by offering a new conservative talking point about Biden's ending the war. You know, there's all this talk about how, how abruptly it was, how unprepared, how catastrophic it's been, how sudden, how blah, 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 blah. And what I said was, well, you know, all that's well and good, and yeah, it's terrible, but the real problem here is that he ended a war. And the fact that there is now no war, no war, and that a sitting president in the office of president ended an actual war that was going on means that Americans have nothing else to be proud of. Because we have crumbling infrastructure, terrible health care, expensive and substandard if you can't afford it education. We have like terrible elder care. We have poor food options in any other than rich neighborhoods and there they're expensive. We have lower income, lower social mobility than anywhere else in the developed world. Uh, developed. And, and right. so on and so forth. Right. So the beauty of it was that rather than doing the sort of the, the leftist argument, which would have been, we could have spent this money on something else and done good. Instead, you're thinking, well, if we're going to spend $2 trillion to make us feel like the greatest country in the world, yeah. um, then we can either spend it on a war that we failed. But if, if we're going to leave the war, we can't leave that war until we have something else to feel really superior about. Right. And that would be social mobility, elder care, education, healthcare, infrastructure, all that. As a last resort, what if we actually help people in America? Exactly. I mean <laughs> exactly. So the problem with the withdrawal was that Biden didn't wait until he had built some infrastructure or whatever so that people could be proud of, of being American. Instead, we just have nothing now. Right. But then the beauty is when it, this thing turned it there was there was a moment when you pivoted and it felt almost accidental but genius and that's what you're talking about the people who are stranded in there so we'll play the clip here you're on the board of no one of an organization called no one left behind so talk to us about that organization and what they are doing uh, in the here and now to help those who are stranded under taliban rule oh, of course well we are doing everything in our logistical capacity, which is, frankly, Tom, not that much. I mean, we're talking about a large country with millions of people. If every single Afghan man, woman, and child who deserves to get out of there, which is every single Afghan man, woman, and child, let's be frank, every single one of them deserves to get out of there, then there is no way that a, an organization, which is, at the end of the day, a small organization, can possibly help with that. The entire U.S. military could not possibly help with that either. The fact is that there are a lot of people who will remain and it's not going to be a pleasant situation. It could have been a better situation, certainly for people in Afghanistan. For Americans though, 300 million Americans, what this means is that there is one major thing less to be proud of. And without the sorts of things that we should have here at home, that leaves pretty much nothing at all to keep us away from that cultural ledge, let's call it. Mm -hmm. Look, Tom, there have been a lot of mistakes here. There have been
been a lot of mistakes from day one talking about the Taliban as being the same as Al-Qaeda or what have you. I haven't heard that clip, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it, uh, is, is a mistake. And pulling out of Afghanistan without anything to show for it, without anything to show here or there, is a mistake. But there have been mistakes made from the get-go from the administration that I was a part of, enormous mistakes. The last administration, also, when President Trump met with the Taliban and conceded an enormous amount of things to them in advance, that was a mistake. There have been mistakes. Certainly Obama, President Obama is, uh, you know, whitewashing or whatever you want to call it of uh, the record was a mistake. Um, The whole, I would say the whole 20-year war has been one colossal mistake that was fairly easy to predict. I think what we can do today is simply learn from our mistakes, and the next time we have $2 trillion lying around, we do something useful with it instead. Yeah, and again, I, Mr. Secretary, I'm not entirely sure how spending trillions on, 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 on roads, which may be necessary here from a domestic policy standpoint, actually uh, improves or, or protects this country from a national security standpoint. Uh, but we do appreciate oh. you spending some time with us and, and appreciate your service to the country. Former Deputy Secretary of Defense Paul Wolfowitz, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you so much, Tom. Okay, so the the logic in the clip is that we should evacuate the whole country, right? right? And right. Listen, we can't stop until everyone is just empty of people. Yeah, yeah. And I tell them <laughs> that's obviously what we should do. That's the only moral thing to do. We should just evacuate every single man, woman, and child. But of course, our organization can't do that. The entire U.S. military cannot do that. So we're stuck with both a disastrous Afghanistan, and that's thanks to, you know, 20 years of failed policy going back through every single president, and we're left not only with a disastrous Afghanistan, we're left with a disastrous America that nobody can be proud of, because we don't have that disastrous war going on anymore, and we have nothing else to be proud of. And then it starts to sound like like, you're almost surprised. It's like 11 minutes into this thing. It's like, you're expecting like a four-minute hit to drop in all your points. And the guy's keeping you going. It's like 11 minutes. It's going to go to like 15 or 17 minutes. I know. And you do the, the classic yes-men turn at that point, which was the total mea culpa. So we basically get at that point, we get Paul Wolfowitz saying, at, at the whole war was a mistake. I was wrong. We shouldn't have done it to begin with. <laughs> well, he's he's he actually avoids saying that he himself is is at fault or that his right. but his administration is at fault. And you know, I think that's kind of accurate. I have no idea what his role really was in that. Right. But the whole administration was, of course, messed up to have launched that war. And the following administrations, like Obama's, for example, was you know a great fault for just keeping it going and deflecting any criticism. And then Trump, with his complete capitulation to the Taliban in that news conference, that certainly didn't make it easier. So laying the blame at Biden is, of course, what they wanted to do. But what I tried to do is get in there that this is actually a very long mistake. And, you know, I did do a kind of mea culpa. And, uh, you know, what I really did was just kept repeating, like, the $2 trillion 
number, $2.4 trillion. And, and, you know, I think at one point I said, the next time we have a couple trillion dollars lying around, let's use it for something we can be proud of. And right. that's all I could say, because yeah, you're right. I did expect a four minute hit and I wrote four minutes worth of stuff, but then I did the classic PR move, you know, bridging, like anything he said, I just brought back to my one talking point. <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> I hadn't right. bothered to make more. And he was so upset with that talking point, too, because it's like, wait a minute, all of a sudden you're like this pro infrastructure bill liberal. And he's like, well, as an aside, I could really pick on that bill. There's a lot of problems with Biden in that bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, you know, so it's like, you're here for the war stuff, mister. Don't. <laughs> of course. And I'm, I'm very conciliatory. Of course I am. I understand. Um, one weird thing about this, I don't know if you noticed, is that he, he knows Wolfowitz. And he worked. He, he, he says that in the clip. And apparently they even worked in government together at some point in the Bush administration. But he says, like, we were on the front, you know, we were standing on the lines looking at the bombing of Baghdad, whatever it was that he says. So he knew me and didn't notice that I wasn't me. My voice was apparently not a giveaway. I don't know. Right. And you didn't even change your voice between the person who was, you know, Wolfowitz's handler and Wolfowitz himself. No. No, obviously. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, these people are just not very observant, which may be a key to their politics. They may just be simply be a little like uninterested in the world to such a degree that they don't even notice when their friend is doesn't sound anything right. like their friend. Do you ever accidentally ensnare leftist media? I mean, does like MSNBC or NPR ever call one of your things? No, they never have. They don't? Isn't that odd? Yeah. Isn't that odd? It's as if, and I know the left has its problems, but it's as if regular journalists actually like went to journalism school and learned the basics of how do you vet a source? And... Yeah, to some degree. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, there's times when, you know, well, like le leftish reporters have fallen for things and they've published it, but they not to the degree where they completely misrepresent everything. Um, it's a different kind of degree. So this is a beautiful one. I mean, it is funny. It is just like the movie where you guys are sitting in your bat cave waiting and then one of your traps goes off and ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly the two days are hijacked and, and then it's all over. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting process. There's so much work to do that, you know, it, it looks like just me on television ranting, but coming up with the rant, preparing for it, calming the nerves, and then afterwards processing it and trying to make it into something more than a little tiny blip that nobody notices. It's a lot of work. It's like hours and hours of work. I mean, you know, first world problems. I'm glad to be able to do it. But it's, uh, it, is, it isn't as quite as easy as it looks, maybe. And did, did Newsmax find out eventually? Do they know yet? They certainly didn't in the aftermath. I got notes from the uh, producer saying, he was great. Thank you so much. And I, you know, oh, I'm so sorry for the Wi-Fi problems with Mr. Wolfowitz. But, you know, uh, next time we'll do better. And he said, oh, no worries. Because I wonder if I shouldn't broadcast this because it'll expose to Newsmax. Maybe they still don't know and they'll call you no, back. No, they might not know. I mean, yesterday well, I did like 
tweet it and Facebook it and, and blast out a little announcement to a bunch of people put up a sub That's how I found out. Yeah. Yeah, right. You you it was our Substack, I think, that you, you saw probably. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think Newsmax is on our list, so they may still not know. Because it would be great. We could create a movement of thousands of people tweaking Newsmax and networking right out in the open, saying, okay, you guys handle this, you be George Bush, you do that. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be too hard. You know, there's some magic, but it's not very complicated magic compared to, like, real magic. I've seen some real magic, and those people know what they're doing, you know? Well, yeah. But you can learn this magic. You can learn this magic for a very, very low fee by going to the Yes Men. You go to the yesmen.org yeah. and sign up for what's it called? The Yes Men? The yesmen.org slash learn. If you go to that, you'll see all of our tricks laid bare. There's a zillion of them, all, like how to infiltrate conferences, how to get on TV, all these things. You can also read our, our lessons, the kinds of things that we learn. Like in this case, one of the things I was reminded of is how you have to just roll with it. Like I had not thought of patching Wolfowitz through on the phone. Like that was a brand new thing, um, not in the repertoire. And so when the guy suggested it, I was like, mm, oh, yeah, mm. That's a great idea. Um, you have to just be ready to improve your your techniques, develop new ones, and and so on. So that's a lesson that you know we we post that type of thing on the website. We try to to help other people learn from our mistakes. There's a couple of different ways that you can uh, work with us. Like, or if you're an NGO, you can go to thesmen.org/work and find out ways to work with us. If you want to support us, we have a donation page, thesmen.org/donate, as it happens. But yeah, no, re read our read our tricks. That's the main thing. Read our read our techniques and tricks and 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 use them. That's the that's the the biggest gift you can give us. Oh, no, thank you. And thank you for all the gifts that you give us. You know, and, and I don't know, and I'll never know how, uh, uh, how much progress we make in this, you know, actually politically and in terms of, of cultural social change, but spiritually, in terms of giving people like me hope that we can break through, you know, just to see it on there. It's that moment. It's that rallying cry. It's when the person manages to put a, you know, whatever on the, on the, the Hitler or Hussein, you know, billboard up in your town that someone had the guts to go asshole with spray paint across it. This is that except so articulate. Just the moment to think of what could be the alternate reality and to imagine I'm living in a world where Paul Wolfowitz is saying that right well you know you know doug one of the lessons that i really take to heart and that speaks to what you just said is that actions always fail like the sort of thing that we just did you know with paul wolfowitz whoops it, it, it's not going to have any effect but if there's a movement that it's a part of it'll succeed. Movements almost always do succeed. And you don't really see it in the moment, but eventually they do. I thought a lot about this, but because I'm coming up with a timeline right now, we're having a little art show and we're going to put a timeline of the, the yes men on the, on the wall. The curator asked for that. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. The timeline begins not just for the, not for the yes men, but for the entire movement in 1994 with the Zapatistas declaring war on the Mexican state. And then their subsequent incredibly clever activism brings 
the whole idea of anti-globalization or alter-globalization and the problems with financial globalization to the West, to the developed world, to the global North, and then you have the Battle of Seattle, which comes directly out of the Zapatista struggle and the Global South struggle. And then out of that, eventually, comes Occupy Wall Street. They're directly linked. Same people, same ideas, different approach, very different context, but same exact ideas. And guess what? Out of Occupy Wall Street comes Bernie Sanders' campaign. You know, without Occupy, there would have been no Bernie Sanders' campaign. And because of the Bernie Sanders' campaign, we have a Biden that feels obligated to deliver some progressive things. So, you know, the Zapatistas, thank you for Biden. And that's the sort of movement picture that you have to have to feel like it's not all absurd and all hopeless because every single action is a failure within that. But together... Together, from Hungry Marching Band to Reverend Billy to you to to Thingnet and and uh, I mean, my God, I mean, he's the one who taught me Ricardo Dominguez. He's the one who taught me about the Zapatistas and that whole thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. remember yes. the, we've been at this. We've been at this for a while. while, and that's where, and we were very aware of the Zapatistas when we got started in all this. Now it's a distant yeah. memory, but it's still real it's still how it happened and it still is how it continues and to this very day which is why gosh in the in the hopefully tail end of pandemic and the end of this crazy war and watching people hanging on the landing gear of airplanes in a you know unnecessary well-intentioned war i don't even think so um (laughs) not even a well-intentioned war just an unnecessary horrific thing to see you there just as you're there after katrina in new orleans just as you're there after rayovac and bhopal you know um to, to see you there is is like seeing your favorite war journalist in the war zone, you know, to see your 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 favorite brother activist, you know, finding your way through the cracks. Boy, it warms my heart, makes me feel alive and like this is worth something. And uh and baby, in solidarity. Thank you, you know? Doug. Thank you, baby. <laughs> all right. I love you. We all love you. And thank you for being such a, a standard bearer for our little t- our little team. It's mutual. You you as well and everything you've done and do. This was a Team Human special report. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and I'll see you later on the next episode of Team Human. You may now return to your regularly scheduled programming. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. 
That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.